Thank you for listening to the podcasts from Life Central Church. For more information or to visit one of our locations, go to lifecentralchurch.org.uk. So we're in week five looking at habitudes. Who can tell me uh, what some of the habitudes are that we've been looking at over the last four weeks? Courage. Diet. Anyone other than Anthony Mills who's really keen? Diet, courage, gratitude, growth. Fantastic. We're going to look today at um, another habitude and, and, and I want to credit some of this material because a good friend of mine, Keith, who was here uh, a few weeks ago, was in Hal's Owen actually, he spoke on growth. Uh, this is a little bit of content that I've pulled out of one of his messages and adapted it and changed it and altered it but a lot of the great stuff in here is his and I want to credit him for that. Um, but you know before I do that, how many of you know we all have habits that we don't realise and it takes a wife to point it out. And so my wife, many years ago, she said, do you know, when you watch television and your shoes and socks are off, you rub your feet together. And it's really annoying. Will you stop it? And apparently my dad used to do exactly the same thing. My mom's sitting here on the front row. So it must be a genetic habit that's been passed down the track. But when you've got a habit, you don't realise because you just do it habitually. And you just don't know. And in fact, if you go around the world, there are some really interesting habits that certain cultures have. And I'm going to speak quite a bit about culture this afternoon and others don't. And I did notice at the end that there were some of my friends from Bulgaria were here. So, but here's a Bulgarian story. Okay? I love Bulgaria. I've been going since 1989, 1990. I've been going to Bulgaria and I love Bulgaria with a passion. But when I first went to Bulgaria, what I didn't realise is that they have a habit or a cultural thing that they go like that for no and like that for yes. How many of you know that is confusing? Okay, It's really confusing when you go on one of your first trips and you're in someone's house and you eat their national dish, which they love and mean not so much, which is a soup kind of based dish called tarator, and I don't really like it, but I don't want to offend anyone, so I'm eating the dish, and then she says, do you want some more? And I go like that, and she's pouring it in. And then do you want some more? And I go like that, and she's pouring it in, and then it twigs. This is different in your culture than it is in mine. And apparently, if you're in the Dominican Republic, ladies, it is a habit for ladies to go out with their hair in curlers. And if you're in Spain... There is a certain festival through the year called La Tomatina where everybody throws tomatoes at one another. And in China, and this is amazing, husbands from China prove their love for their brides when they carry their pregnant wife over over burning coals. Because apparently if they do that, the delivery for the wife will be made much easier because of what the husband has done for the wife. Not sure how you prove that and how you evidence that. But these are habits and the kind of attitudes that cultures have and we don't always know or understand the habitudes that we have because we do them habitually. What I want to look at this afternoon is the habitude of connection. I want to look at the habitude of connection and I don't want to just talk so much about a connection with God. I want to talk about connection with other human beings. You see, we were born, ladies and gentlemen, for connection. We were born for connection with other human beings. Let me give you some background first. Number one, we were created for deep connection. I love this old story. Dallas and Irene Sherman of Cincinnati had a really stormy relationship. During one of their rows, she deliberately wrecked two of their cars, which was the last straw for Dallas, and he filed for divorce. But as time went by, he found he couldn't live without her, so they were reconciled, and they got married again. Unfortunately, they were soon back arguing again, only this time Irene shot Dallas in the hand and in the chest, twice. 
She was put on probation. He recovered and divorced her again. But they still went on seeing each other. And during one of their attempts to get back together, she shot him again. He evidently didn't mind too much. And they were married for the third time in 1977. Now, in that relationship, there's a little bit of dysfunction going on there. But there's also this pull for connection. Like we're born for connection, even though it's painful, even though it's difficult, even though this shoot me. You know, it's like there's this pull because we were born for connection. You you know, in in, in the creation story in Genesis chapter 1, right at the beginning of, of what we call the Bible, you know, God created lots of things and everything he created, he said it was good. So he did this and it is good. And he did this and it was good. And then he created man and God didn't say it was good, although he was. He said it's not good for man to be alone. So in other words, all these other things are great on their own, but mankind, humanity, is born, created for connection. And when Jesus came along, Jesus says in in John 13, a new command I give you, love one another. As I have loved you, so you must love one another. By this, everyone will know that you're my followers, that you're my disciples, that you love one another. Because you were born for connection. You were created for connection with other human beings. The early church was all about connection. The early church grew because the people were so deeply connected with one another. In fact, in the New Testament, which is the second half of the Bible, where we get the Gospels and lots of letters by Paul and James and Peter and John, there's loads and loads and loads of phrases that all connect around the word one another. And a guy called Andy Stanley, who's a leader in North Point in Atlanta, he said this, the primary activity of the church was one anothering one another. Isn't that beautiful? The primary activity of the church was just one anothering one another, connecting with one another. And we at Life Central, we are passionate about wanting to be be a church and become a church and get better at being a church where nobody stands alone, where nobody struggles alone. Where nobody serves alone, where nobody cries alone, where nobody dreams, you know, where, where basically we are just one anothering one another. And I met lots of people who are very um, successful in lots of areas of their life. But if we're not successful relationally, we're missing out on something that we were born for, which is deep human connection. Number two, we determine who will be tomorrow by the connections we make today. We determine tomorrow who we will be by the connections we make today. You know, David writes, uh, sorry, Solomon writes in the Proverbs, uh, in Proverbs 13, verse 20, if you want to grow in wisdom, spend time with the wise. Walk with the wicked and you'll eventually become just like them. You can tell who certain people have been around. You know, you can just tell by what's happening. And, and um, a psychologist called Henry Cloud, he says, you know, people um, will either bring energy into your life or they'll take energy out of your life. And he suggests from time to time, we need to do a social audit and kind of see who in, in, in our circle of life, who's giving energy and who's taking it out. Because if everybody in our life is sucking energy out, we're going to be in trouble. Because the, the, the connections you have today will determine the kind of person you will be tomorrow. And number three, without deep connection, and this is so important, we slowly but surely lose our humanity. Without deep personal connection, we slowly but surely lose our humanity. And can I say to you, one of the biggest challenges to deep personal human connection is what you and I have in our hand almost all of the time. It is our phone. 
Because we have never ever been in a more connected world and yet at the same time we've never ever been in a more isolated world also. And we want to connect with each other. But all of this other stuff, and it is a connection, and social media is a connection. I'm, not, I'm into that as much as anybody else, maybe not as much, but I am. But in, not in the case of that should never stand in front of human connection and deep personal relationship. And I don't know about you, but I'm beginning to realize more and more that multitasking is a complete myth, uh, by the way, that you're not better when you multitask. And, and the way that the phone demands your attention. And in fact, I was reading some research in a book that I've just finished reading. Uh, and a study by Hewlett Packard, the, the uh, company, uh, tech company, and the University of London found that when we divert our attention to incoming calls and messages, it drops our IQ by 10% which is twice the effect of smoking marijuana. So ladies and gentlemen, it is better for you to smoke marijuana. No, I'm not saying that. I'm not saying that. Now, now what, it, what the research goes on to say is that it won't impair your cognitive function permanently. It will just make you stupid temporarily. And that's what happens, isn't it? We want this deep human connection, but our phone is calling us and pinging and messages and notifications. One of the best things you can ever do is switch your notifications off. Because they'll still be there. The messages will still be there. But when your notifications are going, you are not connecting with people who are in the room. And something's happening to our cognitive understanding. Something's happening to our IQ. And a lot is happening to our sense of connection with other human beings. We were designed for relationships. Which is why when relationships break down, it is so jolly painful. When marriages break down, when families break down, when business relationships break down, when friendships break down, when churches break down. Because we were created for connection. We were created. And without it, we slowly but surely lose our humanity. Now, I have to say here, um, Alison was at the first service, so we, I talk, we talked a lot of it about, I talked a bit about us there, and she's not here now, uh, so I don't, don't want to be too naughty. But I might be. Um, but she's an introvert and I'm an extrovert. And um, I know that many of you in the room will be introverts and you need solitude. I need solitude as well. The older I get, I need it. But, but I want to tell you a little story that when I was uh, coming up to my 50th uh, birthday, which was three years ago now, uh, it's all right, I'm okay. Um, we had a little conversation and Alison said, and I said, what should we do for my 50th? I've got to do something. Uh, and she said, well, you've got three choices. You can have a big holiday or a big present or a big party. I'm going, yeah. No, she said, no, one of those three. One of those three. So we chose the big holiday and we went on a touring holiday of Italy with some friends and it was amazing. While I was away, some of you and others in the church were so kind and gracious, clubbed together and bought me a big present. So I came back into my office and there was a bike in my office. Amazing. Then I said, oh, there's the party, isn't there? What about, we won't have a big party. I said, what about if we invite just a few people round our house on a Sunday afternoon for tea, coffee and scones? Just a few people. She said, I can cope with that. She's a big introvert. So I invited 184 people <laughs> back to my house. And uh, I just got carried away on Facebook. And, and, I, and, then, and then when I told her, and I made sure there were no sharp knives uh, in the vicinity. When I told her, I said, it's the summer, nobody will come. They all came. <laughs> at the end of that afternoon, at nine o'clock at night, when the last person had gone, I was buzzing. Alison and my son, who were both a little introverted, were in the kitchen banging their head against the wall saying, please make it stop. Not that they don't love people, but they needed solitude. Listen, solitude is a gift from God. Isolation 
is a tool of the enemy. We all need solitude. I need it. You need it. Put your phone down. You need solitude. But isolation is a tool of the enemy and it will destroy us. We were not created for isolation. We were created for deep human connection. So how do we cultivate the habitude of connection? Well, let me just say, you will not passively find what you do not actively pursue. It's not coming to you. You have to move to it. And I know that as an introvert, if you are, that's a challenge. I get that. But I'm not talking about having lots and lots of people. I'm talking about having human connection. And we'll talk about that in a moment. I want to look at one verse from the Bible with you this afternoon, okay? That was a very big introduction. And it's from 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 8. And it simply says this, Above all else, love each other deeply. Can you say deeply? Deeply, because love covers over a multitude of sins. Just hold it there. Look at it again. Above all, love each other deeply. And that word deeply is so important. And we're going to look at that in a moment. Because love covers over a multitude of sins. Now let's look at it from a different translation. So this is the Passion Translation. Next screen. Above all, constantly echo God's intense love for one another. For love will be a canopy over a multitude of sins. Let's go one more translation, Mark. Thanks. The next one, the message, love each other as if your life depended on it. That's a brilliant verse. Love makes up for practically everything. Not everything, but practically. Isn't that beautiful? Love each other as if your life depended on it. Because you see, it does. It does. Your life does depend on loving each other deeply. Your life as God created it and intended it to be. Wouldn't it be awful if we were rich and, and successful and did all those kind of things and nothing wrong with any of that, but got at the end of our life and there was nobody with us. There's nobody that knew us. There was nobody that shared with us. There's no one that we knew and that knew us. I think that would be a tragedy. So how do we cultivate this whole deal of loving each other. I think it's so important, you know, um, if you've ever, guys, if you ever put your shirt on in a rush or, or ladies a blouse and you've ever like not got the top button right, have you ever done that? And then you, 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 you do them all up and you look a right numpty at the end, don't you? Because you see, love is the top button. If we don't get this one right, none of the rest are right. And this is the most important thing. And the Bible says, above all else, you've got to love each other deeply. So how do we do that? Well, I want to just share two words with you. Number one, stretch. Stretch. So that word deeply in the original language means to stretch beyond what you're comfortable with. And whether you're a Christian or not, this is good stuff. Whether you're a Christian or not, okay, this is really helpful stuff. And you can engage with this whether you believe in the God stuff or not. Loving each other deeply is stretching beyond what you're comfortable with. Like a runner, like you would have, you'd have stretched this morning, wouldn't you? And you stretched afterwards. And you know, anyone wake up in the morning and you stretch? Let's just try it for a moment. Just stretch for me. Will you do that? Just have a big stretch. Is that feeling good? Is that feeling good? Now, how many of you know, when you stretch, what it, it helps you to wake up, doesn't it? And when you stretch relationally, it helps the relationship to wake up as well. What, is it, what does it mean to stretch? It means to go beyond your comfort zone. And I'll open this up in a moment. Uh, but the problem is that we don't want to do that because we don't like feeling uncomfortable. 
And can I just say, if you're a follower of Jesus, Jesus doesn't care about your comfort. He cares about your character. And he cares about your connection. And he cares about who you're becoming. And if it means you need to be uncomfortable, so be it. Because the goal of our Western culture is to make us comfortable. The goal of parenting is to make our kids comfortable. That's the wrong goal. When we protect our kids so much, and I'm off script here, this could get dangerous. When we protect our kids so much, we do them a disservice. Because we don't prepare them for real world and real life. We just want to make them comfortable. And that's not what this is all about. Stretching is being outside of our comfort zone. And you know, people often say, I hear people say, I'm waiting for that really special relationship to come into my life. I'm waiting for that really special friendship. They don't come. Because you have to actively pursue. You will never passively receive it. You've got to go look for it. You've got to go and do it. And we, and I don't want to say we as British people, because I know you're not all British people, but sometimes British people, we can be guilty of what I call pseudo-connection. Whereas we talk all day long about the weather. Woo, we love talking about the weather. We talk all day long about football. We talk all day long about the spa day or the kids or shopping or the house. Nothing wrong with any of that. That's a level of connection. But we were meant for more than that. We were meant for talking and sharing about much more than that. But it's going to take some stretch. I want to share a little bit of a story with you uh, from my own life and many of you know that a week or so ago I was in Tanzania. Uh, the last of my big travels this year, it's been absolutely incredible. Some of the people and places I've been to this year have been amazing. I'm so privileged and honoured to do that. But I want to show you this picture of a friend of mine. If you can put the picture up, Mark, please. This is Festo and um, I met Festo uh, 12 months ago, well, 14 months ago in Texas, as you do. And uh, I was at a conference at a church in Texas and I was speaking at the conference and, and I was staying in a house and it was a very big American house and it was amazing and like there were so many rooms and each room had its own ensuite and all of that and Alexa was, you know, controlling the house and if you don't know who Alexa is, that's not a maid or anything like that, that's a gadget. And it was all very high tech and you went like that under the tap and water came out. You went like that over the bin and the bin opened. And into that, two days after I arrived, came Festo. And Festo's from Tanzania, who's never been on a plane in his life and who'd never been outside of Africa. But somehow somebody gave him the money or somehow it happened and he flew all across the world and spent a week with me in uh, Texas and we became really, really good friends. And, and we shared stories about, and we shared photographs of my home and his home. And his home is very different than even my home. And a lot different from that home in Texas. It's a hut and there's no water and there's no electricity. And he's there with his family. And we became really, really good friends. And, and at the end of that, uh, I went back to England. He went back to Tanzania. And we kept in contact. And Festo kept saying, you've got to come out, brother. You've got to come out and see us in Tanzania. And I just kind of felt, I think I need to do that. And so I did it. And so I was out there a week ago. And here's the thing. It was a stretch for me because I didn't really know the guy. And in fact, Keith, who the guy I mentioned earlier on who, from Texas, it was his conference in his church. And I was with Keith a few weeks ago and said, hey, I'm going to head out uh, in a week's time to see that friend of yours, Festo, from Tanzania. And he says, I don't know him. I said, but I met him at your conference. I said, yeah, but I don't know him. He's just a friend of a friend. I don't know anything about him. Okay, great. So I'm nervous now. I'm nervous. It's a stretch outside of my comfort zone. And then I think, what must it have been like for him to be in, in America and in that situation, to be stretched that way? 
But I've just come back from spending a week with him and it was just such an amazing, enriching experience. Let me just go to the next picture. Please mark the next picture. This is some of his family. He's got six kids and this is Lillian who's just beautiful and she got glycoma in her eyes and the hospital so messed it up that she's lost the sight completely in one eye and then she's hardly got any in the other. And that's Naomi who's exactly the same age as our son Simeon and she's got learning disabilities but in Tanzania you don't get anything if you've got anyone with learning disabilities. Here you do. And then that's Winner who's nine and uh, he shouldn't have been born because... Lillian had gone through the change and all that and was feeling ill one day and then realised she was five months pregnant. So they called him Winner because he was a winner because he shouldn't have kind of come there really, but there you go. And so I spent a week with these guys and it is so, so rich relationally. And in a week, and this is his words, we've become like David and Jonathan. Two people from completely different backgrounds, but just a connection. But it takes a stretch. And then I don't want to offend people in different cultures. So whenever I am anywhere around the world, if someone offers me food, I'm going to try it. So he says, so let's go for some African barbecue. So let's go to the next picture. Please, Mark, go with me. Okay, next one, next one, go next one, go next one. And I say, right, that, no, no, stop there, stop there, stop, no, stop there. So that looks like goat, but what are those weird things in the middle? And they say, oh, it is delicacy. It is goat's testicles. So I'm like, okay, okay. So then go to the next one. I say, can you make them really, really well cooked? Like if I'm eating goat's testicles, really, really well cooked. Like really crispy, really crispy. They weren't crispy, not crispy at all. And so here is the next picture. Okay, they're gelatinous and grey and white. And so I go and I'm stretching myself relationally and the next one and I'm thinking about it and there you go. Can I just say, ladies and gentlemen, don't ever eat goat's testicles, okay? Just don't ever do it, all right? Especially if they're not, no, stop it. Um, and so, but, but this whole stretch, relationally, and I want to make some points off the back of this story. If you want to have deep connection with other people, you have to be willing to take a risk. You have to be willing. To, that doesn't mean getting on a plane and going to the side of the world and eating goat's testicles. It doesn't mean that. But it does mean that you need to go out of your comfort zone if you want to have connection. C.S. Lewis, you know, if you know his story, he wrote The Lion, the Witch and the Wardrobe and many, many other amazing uh, works of art and, 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 and books, etc. and plays. And, and, and his mother died when he was very young. And um, he lived until his 50s, um, risk averse. And then he met a woman and he fell in love. And then she got ill and then she died. And this is what he said. To love at all is to be vulnerable. Love anything and your heart will certainly be wrong and possibly broken. If you want to make sure of keeping it intact, you must give your heart to no one, not even to an animal. Wrap it carefully round with hobbies and little luxuries. Avoid all entanglements. Lock it up safe in the casket or coffin of your selfishness. But in that casket, safe, dark, motionless, airless, it will change. It will not be broken. It will become unbreakable, impenetrable, irredeemable. And I wonder how many of us have been hurt so many times that we don't want to risk anymore. Can I say, I know what it is to be hurt relationally. We all do. But I also know the moments where you feel deep connection with other human beings are worth the risk every time. Every time. We've got to be willing to take a risk. Secondly, I think we've got to be willing to look outside of our circles. Me and Festo, we're not in the same circle of life, but we've got to look outside of your circle if you want rich human connection. 
You know, what I love about the church is, is I love when we see different people from different colors and different cultures and different perspectives connecting with one another. You know, it still does my head in why so many of us, and I count myself in that as well, always gravitate to people who are just like me. But there's so much richness beyond your circle. So much richness beyond your circle. And then you've got to be willing to ask questions. This is going to get intensely practical. Be willing to ask questions. Imagine how different it would be if every person went into a room and their posture was not, here I am, but their posture was, there you are. How different would that be? If rather than going into work tomorrow, it was not, hey, I'm at work, but hey, you're here. And you know, I think there's something incredible. Recently, Alison and myself had, have had dinner with, with a couple of couples and people have been to the church, so you'll know who they are. And they're, they're really famous in the Christian world. They travel all around the world. Both of the couples stopped us at dinner and said, do you know how rare it is? And I'm not bigging us up. Do you know how rare it is to be asked questions about our life like you're asking us? This is what they said. We travel and sometimes we go the whole week, a whole two weeks in another part of the world with another church and nobody asks us a single question about us. And then on one of my travels to one country that I won't mention, I was with one of these guys and uh, we were reminiscing over this and we spent a whole evening with, with this couple and they were lovely people. They never asked us a question once. And we just looked at each other in the back of the car and smiled. You see, if you want to build deep human connection, you've got to ask some questions. You've got to ask questions about each other because that's how we get information. That's how we build relationship. That's how we build connection. And Brené Brown, who some of you will know, writes amazing stuff about authenticity and vulnerability and all this kind of stuff. She says, I define connection as the energy that exists between people when they feel seen, heard and valued, when they can give and receive without judgment and when they derive sustenance and strength from the relationship. And here's another one. You've got to be willing to enter the tunnel of chaos. You see, you can keep it pseudo all you like. But if you want to enter the tunnel of chaos, well, you don't want to enter. If you want to enter into deep human connection, you've got to enter the tunnel of chaos. And here's a picture. If you can put the picture up, Mark. Artificial community is where most of us live. Authentic community is where God created us to live. The gap between the two or the passage between the two is the tunnel of chaos. It means entering into something and you don't know how it's actually going to work out. You don't know whether you're going to be controlling everything or how it's all going to work out. But when we begin to do this, and I don't mean at the end of today, when you go and have tea and coffee, I'm not saying then all go and enter the tunnel of chaos with one another. I'm not saying that. In the right time, in the right moment, take the relationship a little bit further. We're so grateful that God is bringing people into our lives in, in these months and years, or, or recently as well, who are taking relationship with us further and deeper. And we are so grateful for that. I'm so grateful I've got people in my life who have been friends for 30, 35 years. And that's so good. But you, but you have to work at it. They don't just come passively. You have to actively pursue the tunnel of chaos means, means going in and asking some questions that are going to open up deeper relationships. Let me just give you a few, and these are ones that, that Keith shared. So some of these are a little American, maybe for some of us, but here we go. But they're good stuff. Number one, what do you want it to say that you're not really saying? What do you want it to say that you're not really saying? That's a great opening question to push the relationship. Can I talk to you about something that's been bothering me recently? Listen, if you're not a Christian, this doesn't apply to you. If you are a follower of Jesus... 
The Bible teaches in Matthew 18, 15, that when another Christian upsets you or hurts you, the response you take is that you go and talk to them directly about it. Did you all get that? Did you get that? Let me say that again because I know there's a distraction. In Matthew 18, 15, Jesus says, if another Christian hurts you or offends you or disappoints you, you go to them directly and talk about it and you say, hey, we want to, I want to, can we enter the tunnel of chaos here? You might not need to say that, but say, can we talk? We're entering the tunnel of chaos. Can, can, can we have a conversation because something's bothering me? And Jesus says, if you do that, then you don't know how it's going to turn out, but that's the right biblical way to approach it. What is the best thing in your life right now and why? And why? Not just what is the best thing in your life and why? Opening up. What is one of the most challenging things you're facing in your life right now? People want to talk about stuff. But we don't give them an opportunity to do that. I wonder how different our society would be if people felt that they were heard and understood. Number five, what would make this conversation really valuable for you? what could I do differently that would take our relationship maybe to a different level? Maybe if it's currently a five, what would it take to take it from a five to a six? What would it take? And as we were driving away from Rowley, me and Alison began to have a conversation about our marriage. And we've decided we're going on holiday in two weeks' time. We'll save it for then. When we've got a little bit more time, how is our marriage right now? What would it mean to take it to another level? That's a whole different, that's an uncomfortable thing. It's a stretch. But I think we were created and designed for that. Where would you say you are on your faith journey? People always have a story. Even if they say they're atheists, where would you say you are on your faith? These are great questions to open up this habitude, this habit of connection. So stretch. Say everyone say stretch. And stay. 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 Love covers a multitude of sins. What does this mean? It doesn't mean you excuse or deny or pretend the bad things in another person. It means you accept that you're in need of grace too. Because love doesn't just cover a multitude of sins in somebody else. It covers a multitude of sins in you. Yesterday, uh, Alison was out shopping and I was mowing the lawn and I'd finished and I came back in and to the lounge and uh, there was a, a, a knock at the door and I opened the door and you know how hot it was yesterday and there were two gentlemen in suits and ties standing at the door. Who were they? Jehovah's Witnesses, yes, and they didn't know who I was. And I introduced myself and said, I'm pastor of a church. We got into a really good conversation. They took me to a verse in the Bible that talks about the world, about the blasphemers and the scoffers and the adulterers and all of that. And, and, and hit me with that on the doorstep and said, one of my neighbors looked at that verse and they said, oh, that's interesting. Yeah, there are a lot of people like that in the world. And I just said, the problem is, it's really easy to see that in everyone else. It's really hard to see it in ourselves, isn't it? And began to try and talk to them about the message of Jesus, which is about hope and grace and acceptance. And how that message is actually reserved for the religious people, not the regular people that just don't know God. You see, love covers a multitude of sins. It doesn't excuse it or deny it, but it covers it. It's like, it's like it says, I'm, I'm kind of, it's like it's, star, it's like put under a fire. It's like smothering the oxygen out of a fire. You know, hey, I want to stretch relationally with you, but I want to stay in this relationship what would it look like if we stretched and stayed what would it look like if churches stretched and stayed committed to one another what would our connect groups look like if we stretched and stayed in relationship and when it got uncomfortable we didn't just say it's not meeting my need anymore I think I'm gonna look for another one what about if we stayed 
What about if we stretched and stayed? What could that look like? We were born for connection. This is how marriages happen. You know, it's been great this year. We, we, Tom and Hannah got married a few weeks ago. And this year at Life Central, we have nine weddings, which is amazing. Young guys and girls getting married, starting out on life's journey together. And many of you know the pain of marriage breakup. And I don't want to dismiss that at all. You know, but you don't build a marriage over years and years and years over the romantic feelings you had when you walked down the aisle. You build it over very difficult conversations. And I said this morning, me and Alison have had lots of difficult conversations, lots of tunnels of chaos. Lots of moments when we haven't talked to each other. Lots of moments when we've, you know, been frustrated with each other. But I've forgiven her time and time again. And it's, no, I'm joking. I'm joking. I'm joking. I'm joking. It's usually been me. It's usually been me. And she's had to forgive me. But you stretch and you stay. You stretch and you stay. You stretch and you stay. And above all else, you love each other deeply. Because love covers a multitude of sins. So, what can you do? Number one, choose to be connected. Great way for us in church, practically, structurally, but it's deeper than that, is connect groups. We've got some great connect groups here in Hagley. We've started some in Rowley. We've got loads in Halzo. And there, me and Alison are in a connect group. We love it. And it's fairly new. We're getting to know each other, but we love it. We love the connection. We love the relationship. I, I came back from Tanzania on Wednesday at 6 o'clock. I arrived at my home. I had a shower. I went to connect group. And that wasn't because I had to, because I wasn't leading it. I wanted to because I wanted to be with those people. And there's something amazing about that. But listen, you can be in a connect group and not in it. I don't mean, are you in a connect group? I mean, are you in a connect group? Are you stretching? Are you staying? Are you building relationship? Are you encouraging to go deeper? Are you being vulnerable? Are you sharing what's going on? Are you asking for help? Are you asking for prayer? Are you offering help? Are you offering prayer? Stretch and stay. Be in a connect group. But then secondly, choose to risk going deeper in all of your relationships. What would it look like tomorrow at work if instead of just, hi, how you doing? You went a little bit further. Tell me about your weekend. What was the best thing about your weekend? Whoa. I try and do that with different people and sometimes they look at you like you've gone out. You know, you go to someone like, I remember being in a plane recently and having a conversation with a stewardess about it and she said, nobody's ever asked me that. It's like nobody's interested because I'm here to serve them. Yeah, I know you are, but you're a human being. What would it look like if we would risk and if we would stretch and if we would stay? And can I tell you, when we begin to do this and we are doing that, when we begin to do this deeper and deeper, God supernaturally will do incredible things because there's something incredibly powerful about a community of people who are disparate, who are not perfect, who are broken, but who are loving each other deeply. Because when we love each other deeply, I think we reflect who God is and what God has done. I want to finish um, by showing you something that we, we had a conference last Thursday, or I'll talk about it a little bit later or next week. And we had about 200 leaders in our church from all around the place. And it was amazing. And at the end of the conference, we, we showed a story of a lady from this church and what God has done in her life over the last 12 to 18 months. And just listen out for all those moments of human connection and openness and community as well as the incredible power of a life transforming God. This is Ruth's story. Hi, my name's Ruth and I'm 38 years old. I was christened as a baby and I enjoyed going to Sunday school, seeing my friends and loved listening to the Bible stories, but I never really felt connected with God. I was a young carer for my mum who had multiple sclerosis 
and Dad had left us as a baby. I couldn't work out if God was so powerful and for miracles, why did he let so many bad things happen? Then at 22, I became seriously ill myself with a mixed connective tissue disorder and my body started attacking itself. It's caused chronic pain and fatigue and by 26, I was permanently in a wheelchair. I couldn't cope physically or mentally and I sadly used alcohol to black everything out. At 32, they found a new drug and combined it with physio twice a week. I managed to get into work and I was in a long-term relationship, which should have been a positive thing, but he became abusive and was convicted for domestic violence in November 2016. After the verdict, I had a complete mental breakdown and I was gripped by fear and anxiety. I sadly used alcohol to cope again and I was on self-destruct and I ended up losing my job. I shut everyone out. Unfortunately, alcohol with the medication for my illness meant that my body completely shut down and in August 2017, I collapsed and was rushed into hospital. I had two blood transfusions and was put in critical care. My family were called in the night to come and say bye to me because the doctors didn't think I was going to make it through. Miraculously, I pulled through and although I was diagnosed with cirrhosis of the liver, then after seven weeks of being in hospital, I was allowed to go home. I was so grateful to have a home, my family and my close friends, and they helped me get into a daily routine, but I was still so lost and I didn't know who I was. Then in January 2018, my friend asked me to come to church and I did. There were so many people, but they seemed lovely, genuine and happy. The pastor delivered the sermon and I felt like he knew my whole life story. I felt very emotional and experienced the presence of God for the first time. But I didn't know what it was at the time. I felt very calm, but I couldn't stop crying. Once I felt that connection with God, I wanted to know more and more about him. I was hungry to connect with him. In June, I joined a hosting team and that gave me a great sense of belonging, connecting with people before and after the service. And I also joined a connect group, which has given me immense support and, and they've helped me and answer all my unanswered questions. In September, I did Alpha and I learned how to hear God's voice. And in October, I stepped out of my comfort zone and went on a mission trip to Albania, which has got to be the best thing that I've ever done. I learned about God, about the church and about myself. And here he guided me through the whole week like I, as I undertook new challenges, like praying out loud for people for the first time. I wanted to be fully committed to God and walk with him in his way. So when I came back, I was baptized. This was the most defining moment in my life. My old life was gone and my new had begun. I was no longer a victim and I was a child of God. I used to be full of anger, resentment and bitterness. And I used to be gripped by fear and anxiety. But now I have calm and I'm full of inner peace. Uh, my heart feels like it's melted and overflowing for my love for Jesus, the church, and life itself. I found a new identity in Christ, and I know I will never be alone again. As my faith has grown stronger, so has my physical health. I'm now walking unaided and building up my distances, uh, which is hard to believe, because 12 months ago, I was still using a wheelchair for longer distances. And not only that, in January this year, I've managed to get back into full-time work and I've gone back to the Open University to finish my degree. I couldn't have done even one of these things 
last year on their own, and now I'm doing both together with God's strength. I always used to think that there can't be a God as so many bad things happen. However, after coming to church, I now know this isn't true. There is nowhere in the Bible that tells you that life will be perfect when you become a Christian. Far from it, there are many struggles in there. What it teaches you is that you're never on your own. Now, not only do I have God in my life, I have a new family in the church who love and support me for being me. And I just want everyone to have God in their lives. God is awesome and amazing. And I just wish I'd have done this a lot sooner. Let's pray. You know, I, there's many of us maybe in this room and just let's close our eyes just for a moment. And maybe you, you kind of, that's resonated with you. And, but maybe you've, you've got scars. You've got relational scars where you've opened up, where you've shared. Maybe other churches have hurt you. Maybe marriage breakups, maybe friendships, maybe work situations. You've got scars. You know, I feel God wants to say to you, do not let your scars define you. When Jesus says, let mine define you. Let his scars define you, not yours. Maybe as we open up more to one another, as we open up more to him, there's loads of people out there. It's like Ruth, who are crying out for community, crying out for God. But you know, there's a connection between the way we love each other deeply and our connection with the love of the Father. So Jesus, I want to pray for every single one of us here today. God, may we develop this habitude of connection. May we stretch and stay long enough in people's lives that maybe they get to not only experience community, but come into a relationship with you. And God, that isn't just for those people that we want to see that happen to. That's for us as well. But we don't want to go through all of our lives, maybe being successful in one sense, but relationally bereft. God, that's not how we were created to be. So God, I want to pray that even today, you would cause us to open up more and to take a risk and to step outside our circle and to, and to stay and to enter the tunnel occasionally of chaos and just go a little bit deeper. Because God, I believe that in the depths is where the richness really is. So God, help us, I pray. Father, we're reminded that this kind of love is the love that you love us with. It's what, it's what the song, this song says, it's a reckless love. It isn't really reckless, but it appears reckless because it's so stretching and it's so staying and it's so committed. That's the way you love us. Lord, help us now to love others in that way as well, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Why don't you stand? And as we finish, I want you to really worship God with this song and it reminds us of the way He loves us and receive it again today, okay guys? Receive it, but also say, hey God, I want to love other people like this as well. I want to love other people like this. I don't want to just stay in the shallow end. I want to press out and press on. And what about our communities? How different could our communities be if we lived in this and then loved it out as well? Thanks, Dan.